you know what I should have done, Kyle? What? Is prepared banter for the front of the episode. Uh, I mean, but then it'd be sound like we prepared it. <laughs> it'd be sound like we prepared it. It'd be sound like. And instead it'd be sound like we're just waffling. Um, yeah, but waffles are good. Welcome to Butter No Parsnips. Every week on Butter No Parsnips, your hosts Kyle Imperator and Emily Moyers take you on an adventure through the weird, wacky, wonderful, and sometimes even wicked world of one wayside word. Strange characters, delightful bits, and general joyousness abound. Join them as they test each other's etymological expertise. Hi, Kyle. How's it going? Uh, what? Oh, it's oh, you scared me. Hey, it's going well. I guess I've established that your name is Kyle, and I'll yeah. also establish that my name is Emily. Yeah, that's true. Uh, true on two accounts. And why don't you establish what we're doing here? Yeah, uh, we're doing uh, an episode of Butter No Parsnips. Hey, Butter No Parsnips. Welcome back, folks in the interwebs. Yeah. How's everybody doing? Leave a comment right now. We'll <laughs> wait do. and read them all. Yep. In the meanwhile, mm-hmm. while we wait for their comments, Kyle, do you have any any new topics that you want to discuss? I do. Emily, I brought a word with me to this podcast. You brought a word to this word podcast? I did. Who could believe it? Oh my gosh. Give me the word, Kyle. Give okay. me the good word. Take a good listen, because you're going to have to guess what it is. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Your word today is ABCdery. <gasps> A-B-C-dery. A-B-C-dery. And I will spell that for you. A-B-E-C-E-D-A-R-Y. A-B-C-dery. Oh, it looks like abedeckery. It does. Actually, I definitely thought it was pronounced differently when I first started looking into it. But it is definitely pronounced A-B-C-dery? A-B-C-dery, yep. Is it related to the ABCs? Is that a clue? I get yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a noun, I'm assuming. Uh, yeah. So it can be a noun or an adjective. Okay. Can you give me an era in which this word was, um, was came to be? Yeah, it is. It came to English somewhere in the late 1300s early 1400s oh way earlier than i was thinking yeah it's a pretty old word i thought this was through like latin, a modern through latin through latin oh this mm-hmm. recontextualizes the whole thing <laughs> i thought this was like like a silly word uh well it could be depending on how you use uh, it what are you talking about if i say they, if i say like silly. Oh. Like, if I say it like that, then yeah, it's silly. <laughs> Silliness wasn't invented until 1862, Kyle. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I forgot that was John R. Silly. John R. Silly. <laughs> he came in with the like, R. The R was backwards. <laughs> the R was backwards and it stood for ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. ABCdery. Okay. So my guess is this is like what children learn in preschool in the 1300s. They learn their ABCdery, <laughs> and it's just what they called learning the alphabet. <laughs> I mean, Emily, that's like pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> is it like like literacy? Yeah, it's actually got a bunch of meanings. This, it's, it has two separate meanings as a noun, and then a separate okay. meaning as the adjective. So wow, literacy is like kind of ish it. All right. So, 
yeah, I mean, uh, listen, I do, I do want to like specify any further. I'm, ju- I'm gonna give uh, you the like, d- yeah. the thumbs up on this one. You got. You know it. what? I'll, I'll take the thumbs up. I'll take the pity win. Yeah, like <laughs> cue the sound. You won. So ABC has two noun definitions. The first is one that teaches or learns the alphabet or more generally the fundamentals of any subject. So like if you're just a, like a beginning student, you could you right. are an ABC Interesting. It describes the person. Yes. It can also be the alphabet itself written out sure. in a teaching book. So like a book of the alphabet would be an ABC and that yeah. more generally has gone on to call like any like sort of fundamental textbook can be called an ABC Right, like a primer of yes. any kind. Uh, primer yeah. is exactly the word that I was gonna say. And we're gonna yeah. talk about primers a lot today. See, that that makes sense to me. What I wasn't expecting was that it could describe the the student or teacher. It doesn't yes. like I feel like an airy word is not what I would think of as a person. It's a really versatile word, and we're going to talk about that because it can also be an adjective. So you can, if you're just referring to the alphabet, or something that's alphabetical can be abcedery. Interesting. Yeah, or yeah, or if something like is related to the alphabet. So like you know, an abcedery dictionary. Yeah, like b- before dictionaries were organized by the alphabet. Right. You might specify that this is an ABC dictionary, exactly. which is how they should all be. <laughs> yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> Let's not go back there. <laughs> so ABC came to us from uh, somewhere between 1350 and 1470 from the medieval Latin word ABC darium, which meant the alphabet and uh the late latin word abc darius meaning of the alphabet or related to the alphabet it's just crazy because i mean the way that we're pronouncing it now is clearly like a pun on the abcs but if it came from a different language like they didn't call them the abcs (laughs) well yes i yeah isn't that confusing this is crazy (laughs) But it all gets into mnemonics, and we're going to talk about all of this. So I'm glad that you're bringing this all up. Emily, you're on the right track. You're on the right path. I'm so glad. So abc it's kind of confusing because there's a bunch of related words that kind of all have similar meanings. Mm -hmm. So abc-darium itself came to English, mostly meaning the, like, a primer, a textbook. Right. And abc-darius also came to English. But that came much later, and it was mostly used to describe, like, acrostic poems that were alphabetical, what you would call an abecedarius. Interesting. And then a word that you might be more familiar with, which if I used, I thought you would get right away, so I didn't use this one, <laughs> is the word abecedarian. I'm flattered that you think I'd know it, but I don't. <laughs> That came to English in 1665, so much later, Mm -hmm. through a writer, Joseph Glanville. He coined the term, and that ended up like taking over ABCdery in popularity for most of the meanings of it. And then there's another word, ABCdism, which (laughs) means an initialism or an acrostic. Right. So, you know, like my initials would be an ABCdism or like, you know, a PTO. 
you know, something right. like that. And ABCDary <laughs> different, is a word that... Different than ABCDary. ABCDary? Yeah, yeah it, it's been used a lot over time, but it's just been used, I think, mostly because people confuse it with ABCDary. <laughs> <laughs> they think that's what ABCDary is. Yeah. But it's not. An ABCDary is an ABCDary. <laughs> and, and it's all about primers. And we're going to talk about primers now, Emily. All right. And mnemonics. So, Emily... What are some, like, mnemonics that you know that you might have learned as a kid to learn English? Ooh. Can you think of anything? I don't know if this counts. The first thing that came into my head was was the thing they teach you to remember the compass points, the never eat soggy waffles. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah. Yes. That, that is an, an ABC-dism. Yeah. And it's, it's a mnemonic. I feel um, like all the ones I'm thinking of are, like, ABC-disms. Yes, absolutely. So what's interesting about the alphabet and ABC-daria... Yeah. Is that kind of our institution of using mnemonics as a learning device came directly from the writing out of alphabets in ABC degrees in early, uh, not early history, but in early written history. Mm -hmm. So like early ABC Daria were written on walls, you know, they were, it was like inscriptions of the alphabet. So like just um, while like all of humanity was learning the written word. <laughs> yes. And the inscriptions, they were sometimes deliberately incomplete and we think that it suggested that there was like this magical or ritual significance for the alphabet at some point, like l much like numerology has, you know, in, in certain mystic circles. Sure. Uh, in religious texts. Interesting. So like letters would have the same kind of significance or, or taboo. Yes. Well, not necessarily taboo, but like just importance, I guess, religiously, spiritually. And, and then them writing it out eventually became like a part of being used as mnemonic devices for learning the alphabet. One of the earliest ABCeries that we found was found by the Cambridge Theban Tombs Project. Ooh. It's a Semitic ABCery that dates back to the 14th century BC. Wow. It's written in hieroglyphics and it was it was written for the ancient Egyptian Senefer <laughs> monikered mayor of thebes <laughs> oh so i'm just i just have a quick question how do you alphabetize hieroglyphics I, emily i'm gonna tell you <laughs> oh my I'm gosh i'm gonna tell you how so all yeah. of my questions have answers this episode yeah it's, great. I, I, it's really you're, you're right on <laughs> you've, track emily. you've foreseen all my needs <laughs> I really have. I really have. <laughs> so I, I, since we're talking about Senefer, mayor of Thebes, I want to get like your quick take. Like, what's he like? What's he about? Mayor of Thebes. Mayor of Thebes, the guy who, yeah. who inscribed this ABCdery? Yeah, the earliest ABCdery we know of. Yeah, he was like one of the world's first perfectionists. He like really needed yeah. everything. Like his, his mayoral yeah. desk in ancient Thebes yeah. was like neat as yeah. a pin. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, all yeah. of his. What, what's on the desk? Uh, <laughs> one of those, like, uh, like a like a clay tablet for writing, and, and it, like a little yeah. stylus. But it, you know, he had like four styluses all lined up, super neat. Yeah, and, yeah. Just in case um, he lost one. Yeah, yeah. And he had he had a clay tablet that was flat on his desk, and one that was leaned up like a computer screen, but just <laughs> oh. not a screen, just a clay tablet. <laughs> Yeah. He pretended to scroll on it, even though yeah. <laughs> it didn't do anything. Yeah, just to make people who yeah. walked up to his desk feel intimidated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sir, uh, sir, you know that. Excuse me, that your appointment doesn't... was at 11. 
Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to watch. I'm just, I'm typing in. right now. Um, it hasn't been invented yet, but I'm typing right now. <laughs> there's no, there's no door. This is out in the open. So I, mean, <laughs> I just, I, I need just... you to wait outside. Okay. Uh, we are. I'll just walk like a few miles away, I guess. That's fine. <laughs> so you can't see me. <laughs> so uh, Senefer has this inscription made up. And on one side, the inscription reads, Hahana Lawi Helpat Mayin Lakab. Ooh, what does that mean? And that means to make pleasant the one who bends reed, water, according to the cob, which was a unit of measurement in ancient Egypt. Interesting. And the beginning of each of these letters spells out H-L-H-M-Q in English. Uh-huh. And it's what we call a halaham sequence. And it was a mnemonic device and the earliest predecessor of the modern Hebrew alphabet, which, you know, began Aleph, Bet, Gimel. Gotcha. And then on the obverse side of this tablet, it has hieroglyph- hieroglyphics for the words Bibiata, meaning earth snail, Garu, meaning dove, Da'at, meaning kite, and possibly a word before that, the elta'at, which means lizard. And this sequence is called an abgad sequence or an abgad sequence, A-B-G-A-D, where the G would have stood in for our modern day C, and it's one of the earliest known mnemonic devices for the English alphabet. And that told you how to tune your guitar strings, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. They would tune Bibiata, Garu, Daat, Eltat. That's how they learned. I haven't tuned in Abgad. I have the sixth string I just ripped off. <laughs> you know what? I figured it's just another string I got to tune. It's just another finger I got to worry about. Just rip that thing right off. I only got five fingers. Why would I have six strings? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't think of what he could have possibly needed these inscriptions for, though. They were just, they were um, motivational posters in his office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does everybody remember the lizard and the snail and I, I think a kite is in there? And and the le- and the letters are a mnemonic device for my computer password. <laughs> <laughs> these eight early ABC degrees began to be used for religious purposes during the medieval ages, which continued on their, like, spiritual and ritual significance. And because of, like, literacy being, like, learned by young religious people, these alphabet books kind of became... These religious alphabet books kind of became the way that people learned how to read and write. Yeah, because sort of like religious education and regular education often went hand in hand. Exactly, exactly. Right. The, the earliest type of alphabet book, which was common in the 1600s, was called a horn book. <gasps> a horn book? Yeah, what do you think a horn book is? I mean, a horn book just sounds like a surname of a medieval <laughs> librarian. Yeah. <laughs> Prudicious M. Hornbook. <laughs> yeah, Miss, uh, Mr. Hornbook, I'm sorry. I, I, I lost the book no. that you let me. I shall not be treated in vainly as such. I, I'm sorry. I just... <laughs> it, was, it was 600 pounds. Uh, well, it was made of stone. <laughs> what, what do you expect in this... 
early li- medieval library. Well, I'll carve. I'll carve another one. I'll carve. Yeah, a horn book was actually a sheet of paper with the alphabet inscribed on it, and it was the paper was then attached to a wooden board with a handle. So it kind of like was shaped like a paddle, and the horn part comes from that they would laminate it with a thin piece of stone of horn or mica it was the type of stone that they would laminate it with so that the inscription wouldn't get destroyed. But it was like see through. See through stone? Yeah, it was like so thin that you could see through it. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like I've seen these. You probably have. If you just Google horn book, but be careful that you don't get like, I don't know, <laughs> nicknames for just people who Horny are in books. a sexual mood. Yeah. <laughs> that guy's a real horn book. Yeah, well, the Mr. Hornbook, the librarian, also, you know, during the evenings, he gets yeah. up to stuff. <laughs> yeah. So hornbooks, they often contain prayers. By the end of the 1500s, they included what's called a syllabary, which was like combinations of vowels and consonants that would be taught to young readers. So like ab, eb, ib, ab, ub. Ba, be, be, bo, bu, and it would help people like learn how to speak and how to read what they're speaking. And, and this this practice is possibly an ancestor of our modern day use of rhymes and onsets in teaching language to children. We can trace back why we use that today in early education back to syllabaries and horn books. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm just looking up pictures of these now. I've definitely seen these before. Yeah. Yeah, so it was like the alphabet across the top and then like a prayer underneath. Yes, yes. Do you think you used them as a kid? Yeah, I think they look familiar because I, I used to get these from my librarian, Mr. Hornbook. Yeah. <laughs> Hornbooks evolved into things called battle doors. Uh, and they were <gasps> called battle doors because they looked like the paddles for... A game called Battle Door, which was the predecessor to badminton, which basically was badminton, but with cricket paddles. Uh, so is it D-O-O-R? No, B, uh, D-O-R-E. B- B-A-T-T-L-E-D-O-R-E. That's less exciting. I yeah. heard Battle Door, like, <laughs> like what's at either side of a coliseum. <laughs> So ancient yeah. badminton was called Battledore. Battledore. I'm yeah. sorry. That's wild to me. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ancient badminton was Battledore. Yeah. I think it was pretty much the same, just used like a wooden paddle. I, don't, I feel like that's a hard thing to swing in the air as easily <laughs> as something that has holes. Maybe that's why we got the holes in it. Well, I'm I'm looking at it now. It looks like it was either wood. It sort of looks like maybe stretched animal skin. Oh, sure, sure. But yeah, the net is definitely a better idea. <laughs> yeah, a better idea, right? Anyway, the book, though, Battledore. The book, yeah. So Battledores, they would often have like, f- they'd be folded into three parts. They'd have panels of wood or thick cardboard. And because there was more surface area, there was more things to put on them. So they became sure. more complex through time. They would be often illustrated. They would have these like word association alphabet things. So like they would have A is for angel, and J is for judge, and K is for king, and just like lists of short words, sometimes short stories. It was all these like, uh, I guess, ways to entice children into learning about the alphabet and early literacy. Wow. And, And those then evolved into textbooks, which would include, you know, full poems and stories and rhymes to be 
able to illustrate the alphabet through a mnemonic lens. One of the earliest is a, a primer called the New England Primer. It dates back to 1638. And there, you know, ABCdery in it starts, In Adam's fall, we sinned all. Heaven to find the Bible mind. Christ crucified for sinners died. It was real pleasant for children, I'm sure, to read the, <laughs> the alphabet in that context. I'm just looking at a battle door now, and it's got the alphabet written out, and then it says letters in promiscuous order, and it's oh, just God. the alphabet in the wrong order. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, you know, that alphabet's getting all promiscuous. It's a horn book. <laughs> It's a <laughs> with a promiscuous alphabet. But like, why would it help you to learn the alphabet to just see it mixed up? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm thinking that there was, I don't know. Honestly, I literally have no idea. And I was reading about like the Romans would, ha were they would teach their children alphabet, like letter pairs. They would have to like memorize letter pairs, but it would be like the first letter of the alphabet and the last letter of, of the alphabet, <laughs> and then the next one and the next one. And it's like, how is this easier than just learning them in order? <laughs> <laughs> like, why why would you do that? I guess it's why we don't do it like that anymore. It's the buddy system. <laughs> yeah, the buddy system. You got to keep them matched up so they don't get lost. Yeah. So eventually, these alphabet books were started stripping themselves of religious references. They became more secular. In 1742, we got a version of a book called The Child's New Plaything, and it included a fun story about apple pie, which I'd read to you, but it's the whole alphabet about apple pie. So it's <laughs> not really that interesting, but it's interesting because it ended up becoming a long-lived mnemonic that is we call the apple pie ABC. Oh. And it had years, decades, centuries worth of variations and added illustrations depicting this town that's desperate to get their hand on this apple pie. <laughs> and it, it's possible that this mnemonic originated the phrase in apple pie order, which means something that's perfectly neat. Oh. Because it's so, in alphabetical order. So the mayor of thieves keeps his office yes. apple pie neat. Yes. In <laughs> he keeps it in apple pie order and that's why in everything is alphabetical. Oh. Yeah. I've never heard that phrase in my life. Yeah. I neither have I, but there's information about it. <laughs> so <laughs> it clearly exists. Not only is there information about it, this rhyme, this mnemonic was so popular at one point. Charles Dickens talks about this rhyme in three different of his novels. Wow. Yeah, he just really liked it. Crazy. So the evolution of ABC series in the alphabet up till modern day, we can see the extent of where that has brought us in some of our literature, our modern day literature, you know, especially Ooh. for children in things like Dr. Seuss's ABCs, those kinds of, you know, child literature that are ABCdery. Sure. But there are also a lot of, you know, modern day poets who use the ABCdery, ABCdarian order for their poetry mm -hmm. and for their stories. A famous example is the sci-fi author Thomas M. Dish, who is really a fascinating Th fellow. Sorry, Thomas M. Dish. Dish? Yeah, D-I-S-C-H, okay. Dish. Okay. He's a fascinating fellow in of himself because he authored The Brave Little Toaster. Uh, oh. One of his many things. But he wrote a poetry collection that was entitled A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, P, O, Q, R, S, T, 
UVWXYZ. <laughs> and that collection contained a poem called ABCdery, and it tells a series of interrupted stories in alphabetical formula. And the reason why O, you might have noticed, is out of order in the name I of the collection. I did notice that. <laughs> yeah, it's because in the poem... Oh, the the narrator forgets about O as they're going through the <laughs> alphabet and then goes back and was like, oh, wait, wait, let's put, I forgot O. So just pretend it was in before, before P. Hilarious. And another popular Abecedarian poem is a, a poem called A Poem for S. And it's dedicated to someone who is who used to read the dictionary for fun. And it relates the story of a man who missing his prayer book, used the alphabet. He would recite the alphabet to God to ask for forgiveness when when he didn't have his prayer book. And it's an interesting modern day example of kind of the spiritual meaning of the alphabet that we started talking about just 20 minutes ago. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I get, you know, there is a sort of like ritualism to it. Like we have an order for the alphabet when there's really no reason to... Other than just to make sure we remember all the letters. <laughs> yeah, like it is kind of just arbitrary and somebody did it <laughs> and we're yeah. like, this is important. And then you know? we all recite it like a prayer, kind yeah. of. <laughs> it's the prayer to our... Linguistic gods. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that is that is the full history of ABCdery and all that contains it. I feel like this is a word I might actually use only because I'm a nerd. <laughs> and I feel like in in the things that I talk about, an opportunity might come up to, to talk about an ABC degree. Yes, absolutely. Hey, Emily. What, Kyle? Do you want to play a little game? <gasps> I love games. Good. I think you'll like this one. And it's called uh, Know Your ABCdisms. All right. Do you remember ABCdism, what that means? It's, it's like an initialism. Yeah. So we're going to go through a bunch of famous mnemonics. I want you to tell me what it's a mnemonic for. This is so up my alley. I I'm love so glad. this kind of thing. Good. I better um, know them all or I'm going to be so upset. You're not going to know them all because some of these I've oh, never no. heard of. But I'm told they're <laughs> famous, so... All right. Okay. Uh, your first ABCdism is, please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. Oh, I see. That's the format. Mm-hmm. It's PEMDAS. It's the the math thing. Yes. Yes. A math thing. It's the mnemonic for remembering the order of operations. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember the order of operations? I do. It's parentheses, exponents, multiplication, division, addition, subtraction. Right. Oh, you forgot the last, the extra S, which just stands for spaghetti. Yes, you do have to finish off with a bowl of spaghetti. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of spaghetti, here's a mnemonic. King Philip came over for great spaghetti. I don't know if I know this one. It's Mm K-P-C-O-F-G-S? Absolutely, I don't know what this is. Uh, That is a mnemonic for remembering taxonomic ranks. Oh, so kingdom, phylum, class, order, F, Genus yeah. species. <laughs> yeah. F is family. Family. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, I didn't get that one at all. That's okay. You, you've got one out of two. Thanks. Your next one is run over your granny because it's violent. <laughs> <laughs> run over your granny? 
<laughs> oh, that's got to be Roy G. Biv. It is. Yeah, nice. It's the rainbow. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You got it. Yeah, I've never heard that, but supposedly no. people use it, so. This is this is awful. Yeah. This one is dash in a real rush. Hurry or else accident. <laughs> dash. Is that just how to spell diarrhea? Yep. If you're ever in a need <laughs> to spell diarrhea, you can remember the famous <laughs> mnemonic. Dash in a real rush. Hurry or else accident. To remember all the silent letters. That's yeah. so funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because if you don't include the O, like that's the American way to spell diarrhea. But if you include the O for or, that is the British way to spell diarrhea. So it works I was going to say, I didn't remember there being an O in diarrhea. Yeah. Or else. Yeah. I got one last one for you, Emily, just to close this all off. All right. And it is... Maybe not every mnemonic oozes nuisance intensely concentrated. Is that just mnemonic? That is a mnemonic for remembering how to spell mnemonic. That's really funny. No one's going to remember that. (laughs) You know, listen, if they remember any part of this podcast, I will be jumping for joy. I'll be be breaking into Mr. Hornbook's office. Putting in my two-week notice. (laughs) And uh, riding off down the Nile. Uh, Into the sunset. Into the sunset. As Uh, we sunset this episode of Butter No Parsnips. How's that for an outro? (laughs) uh, Thank you all for coming. I have been Kyle. I have been Emily. And we'll see you next time. All right. Thank you for listening to Butter No Parsnips. Butter No Parsnips is produced by Seth Glicksman, Emily Moyers, and Kyle Imperator. The theme music and additional music is by Kyle Imperator. If you liked listening to this episode, subscribe and give us a good rating and or positive review wherever you heard it. If you really liked listening, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash butternoparsnips. There you can get bonus content you can't get anywhere else, like the monthly Patreon-exclusive podcast Buttered Parsnips. Your support means the world to us and encourages us to keep making more. Thanks in advance, and we'll be back next week.